0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the can, take a deep seat and put your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Whenever I was about... I think I was about 13 or 14 years old, so that would have put this in about 2000, 2001. Somewhere, give or take a year. Um... I grew up hunting snakes. We used to climb the mesas around Big Lake, Texas, and San Angelo, and and, and all around. And we had these, these. When I say big, it was big there. It's not big here. But you know, we had these mesas and everything. And these mesas had rim rock, and we would we would walk this rim rock with a mirror, and we'd look up into these cracks, shining the sun up in this deals. And whenever we'd find some snakes, we'd pump some gas up in there just a little bit, and those old snakes' lungs would get to burning. And it was only in the winter that they were dinned up, so we did it during the winter, and so we'd pump that gas in there, and then the snakes would come out. Well, one day I was walking along and it was kinda it was probably about I'd say it's February or March. It was starting to get warm there in Texas or warmer where the snakes they, they wouldn't really leave the dens, but they would crawl right outside and, and just huddle up on a rock to warm themselves and everything. And we're talking about rattlesnakes. And I had a three foot pair of catchers, looked like just a big old tong with a deal on it. You just reach down there and catch them and everything like that. Been doing it for years. And I was walking along this rim rock, and I had this little radio because Dad was driving in the truck, and I was walking along, and if I found something, I'd holler at him, and he'd bring the gas up and everything like that. And just in case I found one just kind of crawling or anything, I had a toe sack. Well, I'm walking along there minding my own business and everything, and man, that was a big one. And I, when I say big, I'm not necessarily talking about a long one. I'm just talking about this was a healthy son of a gun. And so anyway, the, the only part that I ever really got scared at was, was reaching down there and grabbing it. Because the first thing they did whenever you grabbed it behind the neck is they turned around and you could see those big old fangs and they would bite at the catcher. And it was just kind of a, kind of a eerie feeling and everything, sit there and watch it and everything. And so this snake's crawling along and everything, so I kind of sneak up on it like a, like a ninja, threw a smoke bomb down, come up behind it, everything. I reached out and I, pa, I grabbed him perfect man, just bam. I grabbed it and he turned around and he like that and everything. And then he, with the rest of his body, now I've got a three foot catcher, okay? This is about a three and a half foot snake. And the first thing he does is he pulls up around it and his tail is hitting me in the hand. And I'm like, how am I going to get him in this toe sack if he's wrapped around this catcher? Needless to say, at about 13 years old, Have you ever felt like, you you know, kind of, have everybody seen that that crane deal that says never give up and the crane's got the frog in its mouth and the frog's got the crane around the throat? We was at a standoff. (laughs) And so anyway, I tried to give it one of these to uncoil it. And it didn't work that great. And just because I caught him, man, I didn't catch, I didn't like touching them nasty things. Kind of, kind of weirded me out a little bit. But I kind of tried to undo it a little bit and do some more of this. And finally, I got him undone and everything. So I'm trying to get this toe sack undone and everything so I can put this snake in there. And I look down and granted, I ain't a, I ain't big now. I really wasn't big at about 13. And I'm squeezing this snake and this snake doesn't even, he quit rattling and everything. And it looks up the catcher and it starts crawling up the catcher. And there's no, I'm squeezing with one hand as hard as I can. Now we was really at a standoff. And so I drop the toe sack, and I grab with the other hand, and I'm squeezing as hard as I can. And that snake smiled at me and kept coming. And it is crawling up this deal. I am losing the standoff. We are playing a game of chicken, and we both know who the chicken was. And so I'm squeezing, and I'm not sure what to do. Thought about peeing on him, because that was already happening. So anyway, I I came to the conclusion that what I would do is I would just grab the toe sack, put him in there, and then just peel him off of the catcher. And if I had to put the catcher and everything in this toe sack, I would. So real quick, Snake, it. now he's not coming fast, but I mean, he's crawling through that catcher and there's nothing I can do about it. His head was about that wide. And that little tongue was coming out and looking at me and those beady eyes and he was coming right up that catcher. And I'm like this, so I grab it, and I stick him down in there, and the catcher's bigger than the toe sack. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So anyway, I took a deep breath like a lot of cowboys do. Sometimes you just got to go for it and just kind of, well, let's see what happens. So I let him go, and I tried to pull the catcher out, and luckily he fell to the bottom, and I closed the toe sack up, and then I watched him strike that toe sack. Man, my knees are weak by this point, and I've caught a lot of snakes, but that was one of the first times, and so I pick up my deal, and you know, you don't want, you don't want Dad to hear that you're a little bit scared, and I'm like, hey, Dad, Dad, did you bring the box up here, because i got a big one. He's like, yeah, so he he brings the, we had a little snake box, we had a big one in the back of the truck, and this truck had a camper on it, and we had this big box, and it was really, uh, on an average day, we would catch 30 or 40, on a good day, 200. And so we've got 200 snakes in the back of the pickup with a camper, and it's got like a little pulley on it where you can open it up, put them in there, and drop it back down. And so he said, well, is it a den? And I said, no, I just found it. He said, well, bring it down. I said, you bring the box up. I'll tell you about it when I when you get up here. And so he you know, lugs this kind of little box up this mountain and everything, and he puts it down there, and I kind of tell him what happens, and he's like, don't even get it out. Just throw the whole toe sack in there. And we'll shut it. And I was like, that's great for me. So we threw it in there and shut it and everything, and he can tell that I'm <laughs> kind of sweating a little bit and everything. He's like, well, wh- I'll just walk down here and and look, and then if we find something, we'll just swap places. So I'm like, okay. So I walk back down. He's dragging the box along, because it had a hinge and everything and a lock, he's dragging it along, and I get down to the pickup, and I'm mirroring him as he walks. Well, there's a pipeline right away that goes up the side of this mountain, Brush is being cleared and everything like that, and um, <laughs> so right there where they, you know, they dug the ditch, and so all the rocks were piled up, he finds a den of snakes right there, and he's like, hey, he said, and, and I, you know, I wasn't a very big kid, and the, by the time you get the gas and all of that stuff, he's like, I think... That right here you can make it up in the pickup he said why don't you bring the pickup on up this mountain okay I mean we'd, we'd done it before now it was just a two-wheel drive forward and um, had the snake box in the back camper and everything like that and anyway you know in 2000 they didn't have fuel injection they, these were still carburetors <laughs> and um, so anyway, I turn up this deal, and I kind of get going, and I kind of start spinning out, and I'm like, okay, I got to go a little faster than that. So I back up, and I kind of get a running start at it. Well, here's the deal. Where I turned in the pipeline right away, there was a deal called a caliche pit. Now, I don't know if a lot of you know what a caliche pit is, but caliche is just kind of a uh, a rock and and kind of dirt deal they use it for roads and everything it packs real well they use it for uh, uh, pump jack locations and stuff like that and there's a caliche pit when they find it they'll just go in there with a big backhoe and dig these pits sometimes these pits will be as big as this building I mean you know 14 feet deep it's great on four wheelers and stuff like that and so where I turned in there was a caliche pit behind this pop line right away and so I, I can't get a lot of speed because there's a caliche pit right there but anyway I get in there and I'm and dad's up there and he's watching and everything and I'm bouncing over things boom Boom, boom, and we're going up this mountain, and the gas spills over the float in the carburetor, and the truck dies. (laughs) And we start going down this hill, bouncing. Now, granted, we got probably somewhere between 50 and 200 snakes in the back of this pickup, and I'm looking in the rear view, or in the side mirror, at 13 years old, and all I can see is that caliche pit, and I'm hitting the brakes, and nothing is happening. And we are flying down this hill, and I open up the door, I'm gonna jump out. And then I shut the door because I didn't think that was such a great idea. <laughs> I could just imagine me trying to jump out and that door is going to hit me and it's going to run over me. And so I just shut the door. Look, as that caliche pit got closer and closer and closer. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be bad. I'm going to end up in the bottom of this caliche pit. Fly off like you see on TV. Snakes are going to spread everywhere and I'm going to be in the middle of it. Well, the ending's not, I'm not going to tell you all the ending of that. So... if you're really good and pay attention, I'll get back to it later. (laughs) We've been studying insanity. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. Well, you know what? A lot of people live our Christian lives the same way. The only thing that changes is where we go on Sunday. We keep living our lives like we're in the world when we're not of this world anymore. And today, We're going to go back to 1 Timothy 4.12. Paul says, he's talking to Timothy, a young preacher, and he says, be an example to all believers in what you say. We talked about that. And then he says, in the way you live. And we talked about that last week. And in your love is what we're going to talk about this week. He says, be an example in the way that you love. What separates the way a Christian should love than the way someone who is lost would love? In other words, are we loving the same way we did before we came to Christ? Because that is a great indication that if, you don't, if your love has not changed in the way that you love, then you're probably not practicing Christianity, especially not authentic Christianity. You're probably practicing insanity. You're doing the same thing that you used to do, and now you're expecting a different result because supposedly we have come to Christ. I guarantee you when you come to Christ, you don't live and you don't talk and you don't love the same way that you used to. There was This doesn't have anything to do with the first story. I was at the Rose Pasture, which is about a mile and a half from our ranch, An hour and a half, what would that be, about northwest of our house as the crow flies, it took us two and a half hours to get there, and um, that's not true. Cowboys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes something's just right there and it takes you a long time to get to it. But anyway, we're at the Rose Pasture and we've gathered some cattle and it's me and my buddy Lee and I'm standing there and and around this dirt tank or pond or whatever y'all call it up here, there was a lot of brush around it and everything. And I'm sitting over here and and I don't remember the exact circumstances or anything, but Lee is on this little horse about the size of Fiona, the one I ride. She's, She's kind of a tiny little, or he was a tiny little thing, not Lee the horse. And anyway, I'll never forget this as long as I live because I'm sitting here and I'm holding these and Lee has to come around this brush to help hold some of these other cattle and so Lee is trotting on his little horse and I see him go like this and then he disappears behind the brush now when I say brush I'm talking about from here to the stands it's not a big you know it's not like he's going to take him three and a half hours to get through it it ought to take him about one and a half seconds but I watched him and his horse enter or go behind the brush where I couldn't see him and what came out was the horse in part, I mean, it was like he had disappeared. I mean, if you can imagine what would happen if, if like, not saying that there's actually aliens, but I mean, it was like, he beat me up, Scotty, because the horse kept the same tempo. And the horse came out, and Lee wasn't there. Kind of looked, and I was like, uh, something's missing. I mean, <laughs> Lee rides with split reins. The split reins were still over the neck. I mean, it was literally like he had disappeared. I was like, the rapture happened, and I missed it. <laughs> How did Lee get in, and I didn't? So anyway, the horse comes out and what was funny is I was on Hanos at the time. Hanos looked at it and you could, you could tell by his ears that he was just as confused as I was. He was like, wait a minute. Horse, rider, horse and everything. And so anyway, the horse comes right over to me and then here comes Lee walking out. And I was like, what happened? He's like, did you see that? And I was like, no, you disappeared. What happened? He said, it was crazy. He said, I'm riding along and that horse stumbled and he said, It stumbled, and I wasn't really riding like I should have, and I fell off. The horse got up, and I did a complete flip. I kind of landed on the back of my head and rolled right up, and the horse was still going. (laughs) I was like, my gosh, that was pretty cool. I said, I really thought the rapture had happened. But you know what? Something is missing today. Just like that horse was missing its rider, something is missing today in the way Christians love God, in the way they love each other. And when I mean by each other, I'm talking about look around at the people that are sitting around you. There's something missing in the way that you're loving those that are around you. There are There is something missing from all of us in the way that we love the church, the fellowship of believers, the way that we, there's something missing in the way that we deal with strangers. There's a, there's something missing in the way that we love the poor. There's something missing in the way that we love everybody. What is missing in love today is commitment. Commitment. You know what? I don't think without commitment, you're not actually loving at all. You may call it that, but, but it's not. Why? Because you know what? Commitment is never easy. Think about that. Commitment is never easy. I love what Christy put on her Facebook fan page the other day. She said, and and pardon me if it's not exactly right, she said, commitment is doing, following through with what you say you're going to do long after the feeling has subsided that you felt like whenever you started it. Think about that. You know, when you have that good idea and you're like, I'm going to do this right here. Can you still do it when that excitement has faded? That's what commitment is. Commitment is what you do when you say you're going to do something and you continue to do it long after that fuzzy feeling is gone. Commitment is never easy. And you know what? We used to love until it was hard, and then we gave up. Man, as long as it was easy to love somebody, man, we would we would love them. Hey, this is easy. I can do this. And the second that it was hard, ah, crap on that, I'm, I ain't have none of that. I'm bugging out of here. Are you really loving somebody? If you do that, no, you're not. I mean, you know, the Bible, I, I don't remember exactly, I'm not going to give you the scripture reference because I, I don't remember it. But Jesus said, you know, if, if you only love those who love you back, you're not really loving anybody because even the pagans, even those that don't know God do that, are you loving with commitment. And commitment is never easy. To the point of this, John fifteen thirteen, Jesus himself says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus loved you so much, he went to the cross for it. And if you think that he didn't have a choice, there's also another scripture reference that Jesus says, hey man, don't think that I can't call down 12 legions of angels and stop this. I could. I, you know, a lot of people, you know, think that whenever he was crucified, you know, they they didn't have to like stretch his hand out and hold it there and he was struggling. Man, when they laid that cross down, I imagined he laid on it and held his hands out for them. He knew what he was supposed to do. Love is never easy. And you know what? Commitment is never easy. The second thing, commitment is never convenient. Think about that. Commitment is never convenient. You know, I mean, when you come up with that good idea or you meet somebody like, yeah, I love people, rah, 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 You know what? The true test of when you love somebody is when it's inconvenient. We used to love as long as it was convenient for us, right? Oh, you know, I'll, I'll love on my neighbor as long as it doesn't inconvenience me any. Guys, I'm telling you what, man, that's the way we used to live our lives. When we live our lives today as Christians, we don't need to think about what's convenient or inconvenient to us. We need to love irregardless. Not just because it gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. That's the way we used to live our lives. Man, you're a new creation. You're a child of God. You're a co-heir of Christ we've been transformed. We're no longer uh, an enemy of God. We're sons of God, daughters of God. We need to live like it. Quit living your life like you used to live it and start living it the way Jesus said in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong and courageous. Don't tremble. Don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God is, oh, I'm sorry, wrong one. Sorry. That's the next one. Revelations twelve eleven, And they have defeated him. This, this, this is in Revelations, and they're talking about Satan being thrown down. And the Bible says, and they have defeated him, being Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus's blood, crucified on the cross. Blah, you know, I don't mean blah, blah, blah in a bad way, but by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Listen to this. you talking about commitment is never convenient? How about this? And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. You want to draw that line? <laughs> in the sand? You willing to die for what you believe in? Well, I'd like to say that we all would, but you know what? If you're not totally 100% committed, then you're deceiving yourself and you're deceiving others. This is serious stuff. And Jesus wants people that are committed 100%, not wishy-washy. He says also in Revelations, you're neither hot nor cold. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You've never made a decision. You've just kind of been wishy-washy, straddling that fence the whole time, trying to live like you used to and claim you're a Christian. Can we do that? Can we love to a point that it's not convenient, that we don't let inconvenience stop us from doing what God told us to do? Commitment is never convenient. And the last one, commitment is never temporary. We used to love what we had until something better came along, didn't we? Oh, man, I love this, you know, and, and, I, and I'm not talking about, you know, high school puppy love and, and, and stuff like that, but you know what? That, that transfers over into our lives, My wife tells our daughter all the time, do not date somebody that you're not willing to marry because it's just a dress rehearsal. If you don't like them when you're dating them, you sure as heck ain't gonna like them when you're married to them, I promise you. But it shouldn't be temporary. And you know what is the sad part? I looked up this statistic. Now, I don't know how old it was or anything, but at one point, the national divorce rate for everybody was 31.6% of the people get divorced. You know what it is for Christians? 39 my gosh, how can divorce rates among Christians be higher than the general population? Something is messed up because we are loving temporarily. We are, you know, and and I hear people say this all the time. Well, I'm just not in love with them anymore. Love is not a fuzzy feeling. Love is a verb. It is a decision. It is a choice. And it is true. Love is never, never, never temporary. Jesus said, love like I loved you. Isn't it great that we don't have to... uh or isn't it awesome that Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to love you? Eh, nah, I don't love you anymore. You're gone. He never said that, and that's what I was reading a while ago by accident, Deuteronomy 31.6. Says, says, um, the Lord your God is the one who is going with you. He won't abandon you or leave you. He will never abandon you or leave you, those who have called on him as Lord and Savior. Never. You can take that to the bank. And you know what? He said, do as I do. We need to quit loving things uh, and people until something better comes along. But that's, that's society today. That's the way pagans live. That's the way the lost live. And unfortunately, that's the way a lot of Christians are living too. They just, you know, they, w- they want that warm, fuzzy feeling so everything will be good. And okay, I don't have the butterflies anymore. I must not love them anymore. No, you made a choice not to. And guys, it'll sneak up on you. It'll sneak up on you. The, the greatest gift God ever gave you was his son. Nothing can take the place of that, but the second greatest gift he gave you is a choice. I don't care what the situation, because if you don't think that you do not have a choice, now I'm not talking about controlling other people. You do not have a choice in the way somebody else acts, okay? I'm talking about in regards to yourself, you have a choice. If you didn't, then God's word is null. Everything is kaput. Nothing. Because he gave us a choice. So what is love without commitment? Can you actually love without a commitment? Actually, I do not think that you can. But there is another L word, and it's listed many times in the Bible as a sin. Because what do you call love without commitment? It's called lust. Because you know what? Commitment is never easy. Lust is very easy. Lust is extremely easy. Love is not. Lust is convenient. Sneaks up on you. Oh, that's a feeling. Oh, let's just follow that around. No, no. See, lust is not love. Commitment has to be in love or it's lust. Lust Lust is convenient. And you know what? Lust is temporary. Love is not. Love is not. Are you living your life the same way as you used to? Are you loving people the same way that you used to? Loving them when it's easy, loving them when it's convenient, loving them until something better comes along. That's not love, folks. That's lust, and it's a sin. If you are not committed 100% in love, then you do not have it. It's kind of like courage cannot exist in the absence of fear, because if you're not afraid, you can't have courage, right? Think about that courage is not the absence of fear, it's the overcoming of it. Courage cannot exist in the absence of fear, and love cannot exist in the absence of being committed. Then it's lust. In other words, I was looking in the rearview mirror. I had no breaks. I was 13, you know. I mean, stuff happens fast. A lot of people might be thinking, you should have hit the emergency brake and everything. But You don't think about stuff like that. You know, I mean, how many times do you talk to your kids? Okay, listen, when you're going up a pipeline right away in a two-wheel drive vehicle with a camper and a bunch of snakes in the back, and you happen to die, and you have no brakes, and you're barreling down backwards, and there's a caliche pit, a big hole in the ground, then remember, hit the emergency (laughs) brake. My daddy never had that conversation with me. I don't know why. (laughs) He was not a bad man at all. He was shouting encouragement. I could see him. Hit the brakes! I'm like, I'm trying! Did you not think of that? I thought at least of that scared to death, barreling down the side of this mountain, headed for certain destruction, I noticed after I had committed myself to riding it all the way out, consequences, I mean, yeah, sometimes you just got to commit yourself and you know what, sometimes there's a big hole back there and you just, all these thoughts run through your mind that this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen and then I looked and you know what, since before the dawn of time, God knew that that would happen that day and you know what he did? He planted a little seed of a cedar bush or a juniper, and it was about 10 feet tall. They don't have big branches on them, you know, about like this. They're pretty flexible and everything. And he put that right beside the pipeline right away. And I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and it's either just go off into the caliche pit, or maybe I can slow myself down by hitting that cedar bush that God so conveniently put there for me. And so I'm driving backwards like this. I'm looking and I just barely turned the wheel because I didn't have power steering either but I could turn it that much and we hit that tree and it slowed me down just enough that I stopped right in the middle of the road about four feet from the edge of that caliche pit dad is barreling down the hill (laughs) he gets down there and he goes I sure am glad you didn't jump out (laughs) he said that truck would have run over you and I said well don't don't get me wrong I thought about it he said I know (laughs) I saw you and he said, I'm proud of you for keeping your head and figuring out a way. You know what? I know that your life may seem like this at times. If it's not seeming like it right now, it's going to seem like it in the future. And if it doesn't seem like it right now, it's probably seemed like it in the past. You're, I mean, you've got no power. You've got no brakes and you're, you're just falling down this hill backwards and you can see the pit down there and you're just going through every worst case scenario. You know, you're going to land out in the bottom and you're going to have snakes all over you and it's going to be, ah, But you know what? God will never leave you nor forsake you. Because you know what? He's put a cedar tree at the bottom of your hill too listen up this is kevin weatherby of save the cowboy you want to hear the most exciting news since the invention of toilet paper save the cowboy wants to start a church in your area we have a new program called save the cowboy line camps and if you've been wishing that there was a save the cowboy in your area then god is probably laying it on your heart to help me start one just go to savethecowboy.com and you can email me for more information come on cowboys and cowgirls let's all do our part in this gathering Hey, do you have horses? If you do, then you need to call my friends Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitchin Post Hay. This is where I get all of my hay, and Fiona loves it. Call them at 303-324-8217 and tell them that you heard about them from Save the Cowboy, and they'll donate 5% of the sale to our mission to reach Cowboys and Cowgirls. Give Hitchin Post Hay a call for premium quality horse hay at 303-324-8217.